They say that truth is stranger than fiction. Maybe you've heard someone use that expression at some time. Truth is stranger than fiction. It was the author and poet George Gordon Lord Byron who originated that phrase many, many years ago. He wrote this line. He said, "'Tis strange but true, for truth is always strange." Yes, stranger than fiction. Another author, Mark Twain, years after Lord Byron, commented himself on that line, and he said, of course, truth is stranger than fiction. Fiction has to make sense. And that's the case, isn't it? If you write a fictional story, it has to at least be plausible, or else people won't read it. But how often in the world around us do we hear about something that's happened, and we shake our head, and we say, that is strange. How could that possibly be true? How could it have happened that way? It sounds like something that was made up. Sounds like a story that was crafted just to be a sermon illustration. That's so strange. Maybe you read in the news about the woman who joined a search party that was searching for herself. <laughs> this actually happened. She was part of a tour group that was touring the country of Iceland and seeing the sights there. And uh, the tour group stopped by a canyon just to view the scenery. And this woman took the opportunity to go and visit the restroom and freshen up just for a couple of minutes. Well, after a couple of minutes, she came back to the group, and the group was in a panic. And the tour group leader was explaining how one of their group was missing, and everything had to stop, and they had to search the countryside to find the missing person before they could continue. The tour group leader gave a description of the missing person, and the woman failed to recognize the description of herself. <laughs> and joined the search party. Well, they searched all the rest of that day and the next night until three o'clock in the morning. The, the, the search group had grown to a party of 50 people searching that countryside. The Icelandic Coast Guard was preparing a search and rescue helicopter to go up in the air and search for this missing person when finally somebody turned and looked at her and said, you're the person we're looking for. <laughs> Strange. Sounds like a sermon illustration. That poor woman should have been grateful that they had found her, but she didn't even know she was lost. <laughs> in some ways, that's like our passage for this morning found in Luke chapter 17. We read a story that is absolutely true. It's not a parable. It's not fiction. Not made up just for the sake of a preaching illustration. Sounds like it could not possibly have happened this way. And yet it did. Luke chapter 17, verses 12 through 19. Here we read a story of ten men who were dead men walking. Lepers condemned to a life of sickness, illness, and eventual death. And they encountered Jesus. And Jesus healed them. They received, in a very real sense, a new lease on life. And yet they couldn't be bothered to say thank you. Strange. But this is the way it happened. Luke chapter 17, verse 12. And as he, Jesus, 
entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Of course they did. They were leprous. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. It seems strange that ten men who encountered the miracle worker and received new life from Jesus, it seems strange that they can't stop for a moment and say thank you. But how much more strange that a blood-bought child of God, a Christian person today who's been saved from the penalty of sin, saved from hell, has a new lease on life, eternity in heaven to look forward to, and we can't stop and give thanks. We know the one from whom all blessings flow, my Christian friend. We know him, and we can't stop and say thank you, but we should. There's no mystery this morning. That's the message we need to give Thanks, not just to feel generally grateful, not just to feel generally positive about life. We need to give thanks because that is where the blessing is found. Now this morning in this short story in Luke chapter 17, we're going to show three simple points about thankfulness. And trust by God's grace, we'll find some application here today for you and me on this Thanksgiving week. Number one, we'll see that thankfulness is rare. Thankfulness is rare. Number two, thankfulness is reverential. And finally, thankfulness is rewarded. First of all, thankfulness is rare. In this story, the gospel author Luke is emphasizing statistics. And indeed, Jesus himself in this story is emphasizing statistics. Four times in this story, numbers are highlighted for us. It's meant to get our attention. Did you know that statistics get people's attention? You follow up some dramatic argument with a statistic? Wow. It's incontrovertible. Then you have people's attention. Did you know that you were born with 300 bones in your body, but by the time you reached adulthood, you only had 206? Wow. Statistics? Interesting. Did I get your attention? No? Okay. I've got another one. Did you know that right-handed people live on average nine years longer than left-handed people? Statistics, ladies and gentlemen, gets our attention. Did you know that women blink their eyes twice as often as men? 
Why did it get your attention? You weren't thinking about how often you blink a minute ago. Now we're thinking about it. Here's a good one about sharks. Did you know in the United States every year, more people are bitten by New Yorkers than by sharks? (laughs) Got your attention, didn't I? Yeah. Stay out of the water and out of New York. Mm. Well, we're having a little fun, but you know statistics do get our attention. So let me ask you this. I know it's Sunday morning, we want to be focused and reverential, but if you know the answer to this question, based on this passage of Scripture, just go ahead and tell me. This story is about how many lepers? Ten. How many lepers were cleansed by Jesus? Ten. Ten out of ten. That's a great percentage, isn't it? That's 100%, in fact. Now, so there might be some students in the room this morning. You might be happy with a percentage, 8 out of 10 on your exam, 9 out of 10. That's a good, good, solid percentage. But when Jesus does something, you see, it's always 100%. You follow me? Statistics, 100%. We read in the Gospels uh, when uh, the villagers in Mark chapter 7 had observed the miraculous works of Jesus, they said, He hath done All things well. 100% of the works of Jesus are done right. 100%. We read in another scripture, when Jesus fed the multitudes, thousands and thousands of people, he did the work completely. They took up 12 baskets full of fragments of leftovers after Jesus had fed thousands already. And that's such a striking picture lesson there. But you know what I think is remarkable about that passage? It says they were all filled. The men, the women, and hold on, the children. They were all filled. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to attend a church potluck dinner. You're doing well at the dinner if you can satisfy the ladies and if you can satisfy the men, but it's the children who come hungry. Are you kidding? Here comes mom through the line. She's got one little piece of chicken on her plate. And here comes dad. He's got two pieces of chicken on his plate. And here comes junior. He's got two entire plates. (laughs) A balanced meal. (laughs) One in each hand, and now he's looking for the desserts. Men, women, and children. But when Jesus serves the dinner, nobody goes away hungry. You know that? Ten out of ten lepers cleansed, 100%. Now help me with one more question. Ten lepers were present in the story. Ten of them were cleansed. How many gave thanks? One. Ten percent. Ten percent. High school students, college students, what would you think about that as a score on your next exam? Ten percent. Is that a good score? Not a good score. I think in this story we're failing at thankfulness. Now that's a striking statistic. I'm just taking a moment to highlight exactly what the Bible is highlighting. One out of ten, Jesus said. Where are the other nine? Where are they? Couldn't be bothered to stop and say thank you. You might think that's a remarkably poor showing. Only 10% gave thanks. But I'm just going to tell you that really reflects reality. I wonder if you and I 
Christian people even rise to the level of 10%. I wonder if we have given thanks to God for even 10% of the blessings he's given to us. You might have heard of General George Patton, a well-known general of the uh, Third Army in a bygone generation. He served as general for 35 years, and then, you know what he received in the mail? A thank you letter. He said, in these 35 years, I have always done my utmost to provide for my men to the best of my ability, and this is the first thank you note that I've received in 35 years. One out of 10 in the Bible, you might say, well, that was a long time ago. That might be just an exaggeration. Maybe things are different now. I don't think so. I wonder if you and I have even given thanks to 10% of the individuals, people that God has used to be a blessing in our lives. Even 10%? I don't know. But you can be the one. Jesus said, where are the nine? You can be the one. It may be at your workplace, there's a culture of complaining. It's what people like to do. But you can be the one who's different. You can be the one. Do you know if you want to, you can always find something to complain about? Did you know that? If you want to, you can always find the cloud behind every silver lining. But if you choose to, you can always find something to give thanks for. I'll borrow somebody's testimony. Just this morning in the men's Bible study uh, table, one of our men gave a testimony of thanks that someone had backed into his car at the Costco parking lot. He said, it's great, because there was a component in our car that was already faulty and it needed to be replaced, and I was going to have to pay for that, but now it's getting replaced for free. (laughs) They backed into just the right spot. Give thanks. Give thanks. I wonder if sometimes the people who are closest to us in our lives, we get too casual, too used to them. We don't thank them enough. Any kids in here today? When was the last time you said thank you to one of your parents? I mean, you said it. You didn't just feel positively toward your parents. You said thank you. We get too used to it, kids. Our parents are always there. Mom's always there fixing the meal. Dad's always there taking care of the house and the car. But do you say thank you? And I'm encouraging you. You need to say it. Not so much because your parents need to hear it. Your heart needs to express it. Kids go home and say, thank you. Maybe you're married here today, talking to folks who have a spouse, husband or wife. We get used to our our spouse. You know, she's always there. And we, we have our routine and our habits, and we see each other coming and going, hey, how are you? But when was the last time you actually said, thank you? I appreciate you. Well, she knows, you know, she knows, she knows. I told her that once. (laughs) No, we need to say it. We need to express thanks because, as this passage indicates, that is where the blessing is found. Go home and say thank you to somebody close to you today. Thankfulness is rare. Only one out of ten, but my friend, you can be the one. 
You can be that one. Thankfulness is rare. Number two, at least in my notes today, thankfulness is reverential. Thankfulness is reverential. Did you know when you give thanks that is actually an act of worship? You are recognizing your proper place before God. He is first. He is preeminent. You deserve nothing. And you give thanks. Even if God used a human instrument as a channel of that blessing, you give thanks. That's reverential, putting God in his proper place. I recall the words of Romans chapter 1. There were some people who, when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful. They reversed the position. They said, I'm on top. I deserve the good things in life. And the things that are happening to me that I interpret as bad, those are wrong things. I'm in charge of this story. I'm in charge of this narrative. I'm not going to give thanks to an almighty being. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Thankfulness is reverential. Now look at this passage here. We already know about the statistics, only one out of ten. Why that one? Is there any clue? Any hint in this chapter uh, that tells us why this man was different? Why did this one man give thanks? We are given a hint. Actually, two clues. Highlighted here in uh, verse 16 and verse 18. Verse 16, the one who fell down at the feet of Jesus was a Samaritan. Verse 18, Jesus said the only one who came back was this stranger. That word stranger is an interesting word. It's uh, written originally in the Greek language, but that word was not in use in ancient uh, literary Greek. That's a word that does appear throughout the New Testament, though, indicating somebody who's a foreigner, somebody who does not belong in the group. This man knew he didn't belong in the group. Why? Because he was a Samaritan, verse 16. I don't have to tell you about the Samaritans and the animosity that there was between Jewish people and Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews. The feeling was mutual. The Jews hated the Samaritans. We recall the story of Jesus in John chapter 4, speaking to a Samaritan woman at the well. She was so surprised that he took time to talk with her. She said, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. This man knew that he was not worthy. Now listen carefully. How many of those 10 men were actually worthy of the grace and mercy of God? How many of them? None. But here was one who was convinced that he was not worthy, you see. And he was the thankful one. The others perhaps thought, well, here's this Jewish rabbi. He's helping other people. He's healing other people. That's the way things should be for us. They got the healing. I'm not saying they weren't happy about it. They were happy. But there's a difference between being happy and giving thanks. Giving thanks is reverential. It's an act of worship. You're saying, God, I am not worthy of the least of the mercy and the blessings that you show to me. I'm thankful, though. Because I don't deserve it. This man, a Samaritan, a stranger, he knew his position. He was convinced of it. (coughs) Excuse me. The uh, theologian J. Dwight Pentecost writes this. The thankless one counts any benefit as his just due, for which he feels no sense of obligation or need to return thanks. I'm going to read that one more time. The thankless one 
counts any benefit as his just due, for which he feels no sense of obligation or need to return thanks. And I just have to pause and reflect on my life. Why is it that sometimes I don't say thank you? To be brutally honest, is because I feel I deserve it. I pray and I pray and I pray and I beg God, God, help me, I have a need, I have a need, I have a need. And when God answers the prayer, I feel like, well, that's the way things ought to be, you see. That's what I deserve. There's a, there's a health problem, a health need. God, fix it, change it. And when he does, I think, well, this is, that's the way it should be. I should enjoy my health. I don't pause to say thank you. I wonder how often we've prayed for something for a long period of time. Maybe an entire year we've prayed and God answers the prayer. Do we give thanks for an entire year afterward? Or at all? Thankfulness is reverential. That's the point here. When we say thank you, we recognize who it is who's really in charge. We recognize God is the source. He is the Father of lights. We know that every good gift comes down from Him. I read a book recently, a secular book, on uh, management. And the book was a survey of corporate cultures. And uh, in, the, in the book, the authors of the book were attempting to identify certain characteristics that were consistent throughout uh, different companies that had a positive corporate culture. And do you know, in this secular book, one of the characteristics that they identified was a characteristic of thankfulness. Thankfulness. People just expressed thanks when they weren't supposed to. Now, you know what I mean. There's certain times when it's expected that you're going to say thank you. It's just the thing to do. But the authors of this book found that in, in companies with a positive corporate culture, people were just constantly saying thank you. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. No, no, I appreciate you. Thanks. You know, just like this all the time. The conclusion being that they were there living and working for a cause greater than themselves. So they weren't constantly focused. The employees I'm referring to. They weren't constantly focused on what's in it for me. How can these other people around here serve me? They had a bigger cause in mind. Well, how much more Christian people? Now listen, nobody in the world should ever out-thank a Christian. Maybe you've got something on your mind. You know somebody did a little favor for you, a little gift, something, a compliment. You failed to say thank you. I'm just telling you, we're all busy. We all have other things to do. But when it's time to say thank you, that goes to the top of the priority list. Because thankfulness is reverential. It's me admitting before God, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the blessing the thoughtfulness, the help, whatever it may be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thankfulness is reverential. Here's a man in this story. He knew his position before God, and he was thankful. You and I, we know our position before God. We need to give thanks. Thankfulness is a rare. Thankfulness is reverential. And point number three here, thankfulness is rewarded. Thankfulness is Rewarded. Was there any special reward for this one man who, in the contrast to all the other nine, he came back and he said, thank you to Jesus. Well, yes, I'm happy to report to you there is a special reward for him and indeed for you and me. If we can manage to stop, to say thank you to the Lord, there is a special blessing. <clears throat> Notice, please, with me, verse uh, 19. And he said unto him, Arise. Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee 
whole. And there it is, thankfulness rewarded. Now, on first reading, you might say, I don't, I don't see it. What's special about that? Thy faith hath made thee whole. It's an interesting expression. If you look up at the previous part of the story, you'll see that Luke, the, the, the author and the man who is a physician, he's writing about the healing of these men, these ten lepers. Verse 14, again in verse 15, again in verse 17, he talks about their cleansing and their healing. All ten were cleansed and healed. Those are medical terms that Luke is using in those previous verses. They were healed physically. You all with me so far? Now here in verse 19, that's a whole different term. It's a spiritual healing. You got me? You with me? Every single one of the ten got a physical healing. In fact, Jesus didn't turn the tables. When the other nine ran off and said, we're so happy, but we're not thankful, Jesus didn't say, ah, well, I, yeah, I see your attitude. I take it back. No, they all received a blessing from God, didn't they? I want to tell you, my friends, every single one of us in here, the, the, the most grateful and the least grateful of us in here has received so many blessings from God. He's not taking them back. But there's a special reward for those who will stop and pause and fall at his feet. And what they receive is a spiritual blessing. Now let me continue on. Verse 19, made thee whole. This expression, this word, is a word for spiritual salvation. This is the same exact word that we find in another story. Luke chapter 7, Jesus was speaking to a sinful woman. He said to this woman, thy faith hath saved thee. There was no miracle involved there. No healing. No physical change. He said, thy faith has saved thee. Same word that's used here in Luke chapter 17. And once again, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel spoke to Joseph, the human father of Jesus, and said, Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What this man got, when he came back and said thank you to Jesus, he got something special. One commentator said this, quote, The others only got the outward cure. He alone got the spiritual Blessing. Thankfulness is rewarded. The place of blessing is the place of thankfulness. That's where you find a close, intimate connection with Jesus Christ and with God himself. Alfred Edersheim said this, It was far different for this man to turn back and fall down at his feet in lowly worship and thanksgiving. This made the man a disciple. What an interesting observation. The other nine were healed, right? Right? They were healed, but were they disciples? This man came back, fell down and worshipped Jesus, and he received the spiritual blessing. There is a reward in thankfulness. That's when we find out who God really is. That's when we find out what he really means to us and how much he's done for us. I read a news item recently about a woman who was married to a man she was thankful for. And that was the gist of the story. She was explaining how she was thankful for her husband. And she said, I have been blessed by the universe. In fact, that was the headline of the news story. I've been blessed by the universe. This poor woman felt gratitude and did not even know who to thank. You and I know who to thank. Have you been saved this morning? 
That's a biblical word, my friend. Saved. Have you been saved? Jesus is the Savior. He is the one who saves. What this man found was salvation. Have you found salvation? Could you give a Bible answer why you know that all of your sins have been forgiven and you're on your way to heaven? Jesus saves. Salvation is not found in a series of steps, a method, a list of things that you have to do. In fact, did you know the only kind of people that Jesus saves are people who can't save themselves? And if you know for sure you can't save yourself, Jesus can And he will, just as soon as you call on him. He will save you. This man was healed, but he was helped spiritually as well. When I was young, I had the privilege of growing up in church, and uh, from time to time, during an evening, evening service, the pastor would call for testimonies. Does anybody here have a testimony, thanks, you want to share? I remember an elderly woman who it seemed like always had something to give thanks for. But every single time she stood up, I remember her face, I remember her name. Every single time she stood up to give a testimony, she would say, I want to thank the Lord, first of all, for my salvation. She never once left that out. You would think she would get tired of saying it. She didn't seem to. In fact, the older she got, the more she seemed to like to say it. I want to thank the Lord, first of all, for my salvation. Christian people, we need to be thankful in our hearts, and we need to express thanks with our lips, with our mouth. For salvation and so many other blessings and benefits we've received from God's hand, that's where we find Him. Psalm 22, verse 3 says that the Lord Jehovah inhabits the praises of Israel. When you give thanks, God is right there. Psalm 92, 1, it is a good thing to give thanks. Unto the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 4 Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Maybe this morning God's just reminding us, you know, there's many blessings I've given you, you've not said thank you for. It's time. It's time. Maybe this morning God's helping us to remember some blessing we've received from human hands. We had intentions maybe of saying thank you, and we did not. It's time. We need to give thanks. Far different thing uh, between feeling generally grateful and actually giving thanks. How strange that we as Christian people would not stop, pause, take time, and count our blessings. A pastor from North Carolina years ago was leading a short-term missions trip overseas, and uh, he was leading a, a worship service. And as part of the worship service, he paused and he asked the crowd, he said, is there anyone here who has a favorite song that you'd like to sing? As he told the story, he said that there was a woman in the crowd who raised her hand. He hadn't noticed her before. He looked more closely at her. He realized her nose was missing. Her ears were completely gone. Her lips and her mouth deteriorated. He said in his words, it was the worst face he had ever seen. She was, in fact, a leper. She raised her hand to get his attention. There were no fingers at all on her hand. And she said, Pastor, I want to sing, Count Your Many Blessings. You might think that's strange. 
for a woman with no fingers at all to want to count her blessings. But how much more strange for you and me to not stop and give thanks to God.